have Tomas Avila here tonight, and he is the director of the Rhode Island Office of Diversity, Equity, and Opportunity by um, Governor McKee as the associate director of the state of Off the state Office of Diversity, Equity, and Opportunity, really to ensure the fullest participation of firms owned and controlled by minorities and women. So what we know of as MBEs or WMBEs in state funded and state directed um, programs and projects. So um, really important and something that um, Reba is very passionate about, right? We talk about how, um, you know, when, when you join as a member, you know, you, Reba is, you know, is a voice for you, right? We want to uplift your business's needs. And we know that, um, you know, the government following their own laws with procurement and with how they spend their money is really, really important um, to all of our um, business needs, right? And to the minority business economy. So um, we've spoken out on this a couple of times and we are really happy to see that um, the governor put someone in this in this position really specifically to um, make sure that these things are happening, make sure that the laws are being um, are being followed by that by the state right so um i'm gonna pass it off i'm sure he can explain what he does much better but um we've been following this journey especially with the mbe wmbe it's it's you know it's the core of reba really right um so we're so happy to have tomas here tonight and i'm gonna pass it off to him i will stop sharing so that you can share Thank you. And that's that's my thank. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for this opportunity and this invitation to actually be a guest speaker tonight. And let me start by saying that um, being a guest speaker at, at a river annual um, meeting is very significant to me and the office. And this is why seven months ago, when I was appointed by the director uh, by the governor to this position, Lisa and Reba were actually protesting the everything regarding MBE, but in particular, the, uh, the study that was published. But at the same time, I remember we met around, I was around the same time that, uh, that we were. And at that time, I, I, I asked Lisa, I said, Lisa, I just ask you for two things. I don't want to be surprised by anything on the other side, I'm the other side being the state house, and I don't want to surprise you with anything. So Again, to me tonight is a sort of a tap in the back and an accomplishment that we are, I'm actually presenting Arriba. So thank you again and glad to be here. Uh, before I start, I also wanna congratulate the emerging leaders who graduated, who graduated recently. And I wanna share this with you, those in line. 29 years ago, when I first moved to Rhode Island, I was an emerging leader and I actually participated on a similar program uh, as you all have done. And I can tell you that that program opened the roads to where I am today. And it was because back then I didn't know anyone. I have recently moved here and I decided to participate and here I am today. So definitely I believe in this type of programs. And as I was telling Lisa earlier also, I love that it's launching also the next generation of leaders in the youth. So thank you and congratulations. So my speech today is, I call it Rumbo to a Rhode Island MBE economy. Rumbo uh, is a Spanish word and it means moving towards, towards the future. So that's why I titled it Rumbo. 
Uh, and of course, the uh, MBE, I, as he was mentioned, that is my responsibility. So the office that I lead, uh, we have two responsibilities and two mandates from legislation. One is the Equal Employment uh, um, Opportunity that office resides in, uh, in, the, in my office. And the other is the MBE or the Minority Business Enterprise. And both of those uh, we actually have uh, now, when I first started, actually I have to rebuild the office because 75% of the individuals who were working there up to 2019 have left. So I had to start by hiring new individuals. So I can report to you that now we are up to about 80, 90%. And uh, as we speak, uh, I'm in the process of starting the hiring of the EEO person who's gonna lead that office. And that's gonna bring us to about 99%. And um, next year, we actually gonna be doing another hiring, uh, but we can't do it right now because it's in the budget. And I'm sharing this information with you ahead with you because I want you to be aware of what we are doing and most importantly, what, what we're gonna be doing. But I wanted to talk about the MBE economy as I call it now. And it is because for the longest as we know, this has been called the MBE program. And I always had the feeling that a program can, be, can always be taken away because it is a program. And I was like, why do we call it a program? Why not an economy? Because in reality, it is an economy. And I, in many other conversations I have said, we do have an emerging economy within Rhode Island. And I say that because according to the census and according to the study that was done back in 2015, by 2043, Rhode Island is gonna be 43% minority. And you know, I, as I was telling the staff this morning, they say 40, 40, uh, 2043, I say 2030. So again, that reality has been accepted that this, what today is a mi minority is gonna become a majority. And with that, we have an op a great opportunity to actually start building on that um, particular uh, economy. And I'm gonna start by exp explaining what we, what we do in the office and how do I envision to actually trigger that uh, econ uh, MBE economy. And we are responsible for the enforcement of the state's general law 37-14.1-2, and that is the minority business enterprise. And it states the following, uh, the MBE shall be included in all pro procurement construction projects under this chapter and shall be received a minimum of 10%, a minimum of 10% of the dollars value of the procurement or project. We also are responsible of assisting and supporting the MBEs throughout the life of a contract. What that means is that, you know, once you get a contract, you're not alone. We are there to support you and we have partners such as RIVA, which I'm gonna use even more as we move forward, to do technical assistance and other kind of assistance that the MBE uh, community needs. And he continues saying that it is the policy of the state of Rhode Island that minority business enterprises shall have a minimum, a maximum opportunity to participate in the performance of procurement for the state of Rhode Island. Now, this law and what I'm reading to you has been there since 1986. And 
since 1986, you know, pretty much we've gone through a lot of things, ups and downs, where, you know, there's been some governors who support it, there's others who don't, and pretty much that's why where we are where we are. But I, I want to start with this number here. And I want to start with this number because it reflects the enforcement change that it has taken place in the MBE office uh, starting this year. And so, and what I mean by that, we have a new individual who's enforcing the, um, the MBE, is enforcing participation, and most important is challenging big companies, big contractors, as far as using uh, the MBEs. So, you know, one of the complaints have been waivers. You know, waivers is a big problem because it means that, okay, I can find someone and therefore I'm gonna use my own people. Well, this individual is saying, no, you gotta to prove to me first that we don't have a qualified MBE who can do the same thing. So again, so what this number re uh, represents is $2,333,041. It is what the MBE has received in contracts from January 20th to, uh, to February 28th of this year. So pretty much just about a month, a month uh, and whatnot. Now this is, this equals to 13% of the $17.5 million in projects that the state of Rhode Island has out there. Now though that $17 million that, uh, that are, that's out there it is equal to 50 projects that are taking place in Rhode Island uh, from January 1st going forward. Based on this number, I have projected that if we stay at this pace by March, uh, I mean, by December 31st, we should be at $20 million MBE revenue. And that's why I'm calling it an MBE economy. Because if we can project 20 million, so, and these are real numbers, these are not projection, 20 millions into December 31st, you know, that's quite a bit of money. And as I tell everyone that I speak to, that's not money that we have to chase. That's money that's there by law and legislation that we, it belongs to the minority community. So again, we are enforcing it and we're making sure that this number is gonna increase in a regular basis. So again, that's to, uh, start, to get started. Now, moving forward, I have reached an agreement with the Department of Education regarding school constructions. Uh, we met la last August and we agree that they're gonna enforce the 10% in everything that they do. Prior to that, they, they used, well, they refused to do it. Now, what I informed me when, when we met in August is Thomas, right now we have $1.3 billion in school construction that's gonna take place starting May of this year in 20 communities across the state of Rhode Island. Those, that $1.3 billion, we are, going, we are going to enforce the one, uh, you know, the 10%. You know, I always ask the, this question, simple math, what is 10% of, of $1.3 billion? And again, these are not projections, this is money that's being spent. 
in come November, they're going to be uh, voting for another uh, bond out there of 200, uh, well, the total is going to be $300 million. We already have agreed that that $300 million is going to have an enforcement of 10%. And actually, as we speak right now in legislation, it is a discussion to move it to 15%. So again, when we talk about $1.3 billion in school construction in our communities, definitely we need and deserve to be part of it. And I am making sure Elvis Reese, who is the, uh, the person in charge of the MBE program, again, is enforcing that. Tonight, tonight as I present here, two of the um, members of the team are actually visiting, participating in um, Johnston because they're gonna be investing $250 million in school construction, which is part of this uh, $1.3 billion. I share that with you because it's the enforcement is not just sitting in the office and doing what we need to do. It's actually being seen. We're gonna participate in everything that happens. In May, uh, the Department of Education is gonna have a kickoff of all this $1.3 billion. And I'm gonna invite you all to join because we need to be present and you know, actually participate. Now, that $1.3 billion, I wanna give you an, an example. They, here are some of the schools that are being either renovated or built, being built brand new. This is information that, I, that comes from the Department of Education and these are the schools. Now, just this was here in front of you, as you can see at the bottom is $809,990,000 of school construction. Again, 10% of that is $80,999,000. That 10% is, again, money that belongs to the minority business enterprise, not because somebody says so, but because the legislation that was signed back in 1986, and, it's, and that's what it, it says that it, it belongs to. Now, again, I'm sharing the, these numbers with you because I need partners. I need individuals who are gonna be just as responsible to make sure that these projects actually comply with what we're gonna be enforcing and we're gonna be moving forward to. So again, this is uh, like the opportunity to actually start building an economy. And I will say not uh, rebuild an economy because we have had economies, but as we know, you know, they have been destroyed throughout the years. And again, this is uh, what I wanted to present and talk about today because this is real money. This is real opportunities and it's money that we just have to be active and participant. So, and be watchful that nothing happens to it. I can assure you this, uh, Cyan, uh, the Department of Education, we have had, we've been meeting regularly since uh, August. I know of every projects that they are doing, they keep me informed, they keep me participating. So again, I am actively involved and will continue to be actively involved. And now I'm recruiting other members, you know, and again, River and many others are gonna be, become part of this because now we don't have to fight for this. We just have to make sure that we get a piece of the pie. And that is uh, my presentation for today. Once again, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, everyone. And if anyone has any questions, I'll be glad to respond to it. So, Tomas, thank you so much for the overview. 
Um, let's open it up for questions, Amanda. Can we minimize the slide so we can see? Yeah, each other? absolutely. Just one sec. Thank you. Feel free to add a question to the chat too. We'll um, we'll call it out, Lisa. Okay. Yeah. So, Thomas, I have a you know while folks are thinking about their question, I haven't seen any hand raised yet. Let me put one on the table for you if you could assess. Help us to understand the, the supply, right? So when we think about all these funding, especially, I know that we're looking at construction right now, but I know that there are not just, you know, when we advocate, I know um, last summer we were at the state house advocating specifically for greater support. You know, when we when we advocate and when we we call on leadership to do more for the communities of color. We're not only looking at construction. Can you share with us, other than the slide that you um, noted there, is there, you know, are there other funds or other projects throughout the state that we should be mindful of, such as, you know, technology, such as professional services, consultant, all of that? Where would we be able to see the entire scope of funding, right? that are out there that we should be thinking about. Because one of the things that I've shared with whoever will listen, we're not just advocating for just construction. So I think construction is great, but as you know very well more than I do, there's lots of other projects throughout the state. Can you speak to that? Sure, and, and that's a great question and thank you for asking it. And I, I'll start again with the Department of Education. So again, we met last August and we it's $1.3 billion in construction. I can, from that, actually, we, we, we started meeting regularly. And what that agreement actually did was raise the consciousness of the Department of Education. And it was to look holistically at the whole department because now it's, okay, so now we have this agreement and we're enforcing it, but what else can be done? From that, what came out is that they realized that they were only enforcing the 10% in, in the construction side of it. What the change that came out of that is that now they are enforcing the 10% to all supply side of ride. Absolutely everything, um, you mentioned technology. Yes, all of, all of that is included, uh, it's gonna be included. So that $1.3 billion that I just spoke about is it, just construction. I can say that we can easily have another billion in, in the supplier side. And, uh, and again, and so what the, the premises of this presentation and why, what I'm hearing is that the construction, because we have a real number, is the basis to build from. And so for instance, I can assure you that um, the Department of um, Health, not health, but uh, actually the, the Secretary of Health has a very aggressive agenda regard, regarding everything uh, that uh, she has five uh, departments under her belt. And those departments now have to comply with the MBE and, and, and the EO and, and everything, but in everything, not just construction. That Take that and multiply it across the state. You know, there, there are about 20 uh, departments across the state. You know, not, not all of them do construction, but every single one of them deal, deal in the supplier side. 
that is also going to be coming on uh, on board as far as uh, you know uh, contributions towards hiring uh, MBEs across uh, the whole thing. So yes, this is just the beginning. This is just a base, but there is a lot more to come. Uh, I'll give you an example, which uh, has become my you know one of my talking points. Uh, DEM. DEM has all there has always been complaints about even before I came into this uh, office about not not very much not caring about diversifying and complying with the um, mandates of the 10%. Well, we, we've been meeting since November. And again, they, they have changed everything. Now they have all uh, different committees participating and looking at all of the um, and how they can change. Uh, for instance, now they have more, uh, more participation of minority students in their programming and their internships. And, and that's just an example that can multiply by much more. But yes, there is changes and now it's not just construction, it's everything that evolves on money that's spent by the state or the cities and towns that receive state funding. Thank you, Tomas. Any questions, don't be shy. He's here to answer all of your questions, I'm sure. Are there any we other- We have a hand, Rose, raised up top Hi. on the left. This is Annette. My question is, are we doing anything to help MBEs be able to uh, navigate the process of bidding on, on, on state contracts? Yes. And actually, uh, that is a, a, a very, another very good question. And when I say yes, uh, that is, uh, so when I came in, that being familiar with the MBE side of things, because I've been involved with it for so many years, I very much did a quick analysis of the um, the weaknesses in the program and what needed to change. And that was one of the, uh, you know, the, the ones that I identified is that, yes, all these opportunities are there, but if you don't have the support system to be able to participate, then what good is it, you know? So actually I've been meeting with different organizations across the state and, you know, probably within the next two months, I'm gonna be making some announcement and it are partnerships that are actually are gonna be supporting, the providing technical support in that particular area and many more, but definitely is gonna be changing. Thank you. So Tomas, I'm glad that you said that. So I'm gonna put you on the hot seat. You know, I would do that. I know. <laughs> So um, I'm glad that you talked about the partnership because we haven't gotten any contact yet about partnership. And I am, as always, very curious as to the partnerships that we work with um, and who are we actually partnering with, mm -hmm. especially if they don't know our community. And in some cases have been like not intentional, right? They are just checking the box and they're looking more from compliance. And, you know, one of the things that Reba has been doing, we're not about compliance work, right? We're not about checking the box. We are, we're talking specifically about driving changes in communities of color, specifically with businesses that have been left behind for way too long. So I don't want to be surprised, as you know, no. so... We have not gotten a call about partnership quite yet, and we're waiting. <laughs> and um, I want to put it out there: if you know, if we're thinking about being intentional with this work, there has to be inclusivity. 
there has to also be inclusion, especially organizations that have been on the ground forever. As you know, Reba is celebrating 10, um, 11 years, mm-hmm. March 31st, it's just around the corner. Yeah. So um, I want to put that out there, right? Because we've been doing this work for a very long time and we want to be included. We are here, we stand ready to serve, but we also want to secure adequate funding to do this work. Yes. So I'm yes. going to put that over to you to digest. Sure. I know. And, and again, thank you. And actually, uh, Lisa, I want to share with you that uh, we actually had a meeting with the coalition back in February. I, for some reason, you couldn't attend. Uh, and, and actually, I requested that meeting. And the, the reason I requested that meeting was because exactly what you said. I don't want to bring strangers to provide technical support to the MBEs. I want the MBEs to work with individuals who, like Reba and yourself, have been doing the work and have been you know, pushing to better the situation for these businesses. But all of that to say that uh, definitely, uh, you know, you're going to get a, a call soon. But <laughs> at the same time, as I told the coalition, the, the other part that I want to uh, change is that, and Lisa, you've been advocating for this for the longest about uh, compliance, and not in the sense of enforcement, but making sure that what these changes that are making in this office are going to move forward. It's not going to be just because Tomas is there, but eventually they are going to be uh, they're going to be uh, perpetually to it. And the only way that's going to happen is by building relationship with organizations such as Riba and members of the uh, coalition and others. So no, uh, definitely is it's going to be com- is communities, organizations such as River and everyone that actually has been, as they say, in the ground doing the hard work. And definitely, I want them to be the ones who actually are going to be provide that technical support. And I leave you with this. Uh, I'm going to send Amanda uh, an email as soon as we finish to schedule a meeting between you and I to actually have this mm-hmm. conversation and start talking to us how we can collaborate. You, I, I cannot wait for that conversation because I don't want to take to social media. Uh oh, <laughs> Lisa, no. we had um, we have two questions. We have iPhone. I don't have your name, but I know. And then I see David has a question also. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you're on mute. It's not working. Okay. Um. Thank you very much. Oh, um, sorry. So... Okay. Go thank ahead, you. David. Yes, um, thank you so much. Um, I, I just wanted to um, find out, uh, you know, just a, a question earlier asked around how do um, MBAs identify these opportunities? Um, and there was a meeting last week um, with my, um, I think the minority business roundtable with the governor, and there was a key emphasis on the budget um, being, you know, the central basically the, the, the instrument that drives all this expenditure. So from the point of view of tracking the budget and then down to um, the you know, relevant agencies in government that contracts go out, um, is there some mechanism or plan to um, kind of track um, these contracts or these opportunities beyond construction from that very broad angle so that everything is covered? Because everything would definitely go through the budget um you know in some way 
No, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, and, and actually, I want to let you know that I am uh, following uh, the budget and actually because I have to, because uh, needless to say, we are within that budget, but at the same time, um, you know, the, the governor and the directors have uh, pretty much target um, uh, the office to, be, to keep track of all the spending and, you know, the money uh, that's in the budget for the minority community to make sure that it's actually going to be uh, you know, benefit the community. Yeah, so that, that's on that end. As far as tracking is concerned, this gives me an opportunity to explain in my latest project in the office. And it is to actually centralize everything in the office and actually take it virtual. Right now, there is no central place to disseminate information or to even do many of the work that we've done because it's all paper-based. I am in the process of, uh, I have met with two companies already. Uh, I'm in the process of meeting with a third one and it is to actually implement a system that's gonna allow us to do the, our work better and faster, but most importantly, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna allow us to be able to share information with the MBE and the community in general that right now we haven't we we haven't had that capacity, and it is because again, it, I, uh, so the question that you asked, I want you in in the near future. My vision is that you will be able to go to the system, and inquire about that about uh, opportunities, you know where they are and who to contact, and that is what I'm working at this very moment uh, is to change that and to actually bring it into reality. Thank you. All right, other questions. If you want to pose a question, you could drop it in the chat or you could get off mute. So I believe Keisha asked a question. I, um, she said, I think I had missed it, but how are the schools selected for these projects for this funding? Uh, well, actually the um, back in 2017, the Department of Education and leaders of the State House did um, hire a consultant to do a very extensive analysis and study of all schools across the state of Rhode Island. And from that study, uh, then they actually went to the process of identifying the, the schools that were in the worst condition. And those schools that were in the worst condition became the first target to actually either uh, remodel or rebuilt. So that selection was that was done from, from that, and it was a very extensive process that, um, that happened. So that was 2017. And so in 2018, uh, uh, the, the state put out uh, $250 million uh, for a bond that was approved. And from 2018 to now, that bond has been used to fix those schools, or to build new schools. So, and so that, that through, through that process, there is already a selection of, you know, schools that are gonna be uh, invested in uh, through, uh, through the, but again, it was through that process that they came out with a conclusion, which are the schools that, are. now having said that, I also, I just, remi just reminded me. So that process is, has taken place, right? So the, uh, and, uh, those schools are, have, are being fixed and everything else. Again, 
the Department of Education looking forward into equity and you know making making equity sustainable. This year, I was involved in a process with them, and it was looking at at everything in an equitable manner. And but what I mean by that is, okay, so how equitable is that distribution of um, of that funding? And what I came up with was that usually the typical, most of the funding when these opportunities come, the ones who take advantage uh, the, immediately are the communities who, are, uh, who, who have wealth because they can invest in immediately and then wait for the state to refund them. Well, starting with the next $250 million, what's gonna change is that the poorest, poorest community in Rhode Island are gonna be the first ones to get a stab at that money because without that money, they actually can't build their new schools. So again, it's to provide equity and a balance between the wealthier communities and the uh, poorer communities across the state of Rhode Island. And that's gonna be effective with uh, this bond and moving forward. Thank you. I saw a lot of critical schools on there that needed help. That's why I was wondering the decision process. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome, you're welcome. So I have a question in the chat um, that um, the that the projects sound extremely complex. Can you provide some clarification and guidance? Um, it sounds like the grants are for contractors. Uh, well, not um, <clears throat> general contractors, needless to say, are the ones who manage the contracts. And that's where this office come into play. And that's where we enforce the 10% because the state per, per se does not manage, they, they manage this investment through general contractors. We, we meet with the contractors, the contractors have to report to us uh, all the investment that they're gonna be making and they have to prove to us the, who, who they hiring to participate as an MBE in, that, in, that, you know, in those particular projects. So that is uh, on that end, as far as the complexity of the contracts, one of the, uh, the Department of Education and I in the office have agreed that we are gonna be starting some training programs to educate both the MBE communities and the community in general about these processes and their participation. Because again, we don't wanna just say things are improving, but we want the communities to become an integral part of that improvement. And again, part of that is actually doing this training so that they will know exactly what's going on. Hey, Tomas, I have another follow-up question. Thank you for that. Yeah. Just another follow-up question on the MBE, WMBE list. So specifically black and brown, um, can you share with us, I know there've been lots of you know efforts to improve that. Mm -hmm. But I still continue to see the majority of the certification going to out-of-state businesses. As it relates to actual participation, can you share with us what you're seeing as it relates to trend with actually Rhode Island businesses, minority businesses able to participate? Yes, and and again, um, the uh, and and I totally agree because that has been that that has been the trend. Um, one of the, what I can share with you beforehand is that in a conversation with the governor, uh, 
he mentioned we were chatting and he mentioned to me he says Tomas we we have to give preference to local businesses because we cannot continue this trend that everything is hiring from the outside so I mentioned that because that is part of my premises in this office is it making sure that that uh, that's continues to change and in particular with the MBE community, it is that, you know, we, uh, the locals actually are getting higher. When I spoke about, uh, you know, the enforcement and and everything, that is part of it. Because usually, it, uh, so now when we look at that, the enforcement of who's participating, it is giving preference to the local businesses, the local MBE. And I can assure you that I've seen cases where they have put an MBE company from the outside and Elvis has said, make sure we don't have them here. We, uh, we don't have the similar, a similar company here. And he goes through the database and checks. And he's like, okay, this company does the same thing. It's a local one and do it. But again, it's to continue that process of increasing the participation. And on the other hand, Lisa, the other part, the, the other part that I'm doing is again, you mentioned it earlier, you know, and we know that, you know, pretty much the WBE gets the biggest chunk of it. Part of the reason is because 43% of the uh, 785 uh, MBE businesses that we have are women. And that 43%, I can, I seen it statistically, usually end up with about between 50 and 65% of all the contracts. Well, Part of my agenda has been, we need to increase the number of MBEs uh, participants that are signing up. And I can tell you that I'm seeing a lot of local businesses signing up to uh, and regist registering to become certified as MBE because of it. And it's something that I am committed to and I'm working towards changing and bringing some balance to the reality of you know what it is to, what those, MBE means and who does the MBE benefits. I just have a follow-up question. This is Annette. Um, I want, would like to know how uh, the contractors are gonna get um, access to MBE listings or sources to source you know, subcontractors for their projects from organizations like us, is there gonna be a connection or some type of education for them as well? Because it's, it's, it's to just go back to them and say, make sure we don't have someone in our state that can do this. If you're providing them with the list of, of folks that, you know, MBEs that are here, mm -hmm. then they're gonna be able to maneuver easier and not find it so much as a strangle on them to have to do this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yes. No, it, <laughs> you have some. You have some very good questions, <laughs> you and Lisa. <laughs> and yeah, uh, so when I mentioned the uh, the system that I'm working to implement as sooner rather than later, is actually to avoid that. So once the system is in place, and again, I'm re I'm really work. My goal is to do it very soon, and and it is that instead. So when they search for MBEs, instead of having to come to us, they will be able to do it automatically. They will be able to do it, you know, whatever they need, they will be able to find that search, do that search themselves. The same thing for the MBEs. When the MBEs want to participate in the, uh, 
in all this construction that's going to take place, they'll be able to search at that system and be able to say to the general contractor, I am an MBE, this is what I do, and you know, please contact me. And but the beauty of it is that once they do that, we're going to be able to follow through with them and make sure that one, they are contacted, and two, they are taken into consideration. So again, we're working on that. Awesome. Are there other questions for Thomas? And I have one more about the payment system. But are there any other questions out there that we want to pose to our guest speaker? Thomas, do you mind sharing a little bit, if you may or can, specifically about some of the work that's underway around the payment system? We know historically, you know, business owners have complained about the long wait for payment when they do work on state projects. Can you speak to that if there is any improvement in what's happening in your world on that? Yes. And uh, what I want to share, first of all, is that as we speak right now, uh, the state of Rhode Island is going through the process of uh, purchasing a new system that's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to centralize the administration of the state, you know, in the cloud. And I mentioned that because that is part of the issue regarding payments because there's not a centralized system and a lot of it depends on paper. So we know what happened with paper. So part of the vision and the goal by, you know, the governor and the um, director is to, to establish this system and that therefore everything being centralized is gonna be able to be easier to manage, but at the same, thing, at the same time, is gonna be able to do timely payments to companies you know, so the goal and the vision is work done, payment received, not the way things are right now, you know, and whatnot. And with that system also, uh, also Lisa, what it's gonna provide us is, you know, all that data that we haven't been able to capture, going forward, that data won't be able, to, uh, we won't have to chase it. It's gonna be within the system. And then on the other end, uh, the system that I'm looking to, uh, to put into the office is gonna be able to be connected to that system. So there won't be no way to get around payment awesome. and everything else. And that's where we are right now. That is fantastic news. I know, John, I saw you lean forward because that payment system, I know that you know that well, <laughs> some of the stuff that we've seen with state projects. So that's great news that, the state is looking to, um, you know, bring in new technology, specifically move into the cloud and yes. looking at easier way to, you know, to do stuff structurally. But more importantly, Thomas, I hear you talk about it more from a long term perspective, right? Sustainability is really important because, you know, we know governors come and go, but we want to make sure that we have continuity and sustainability as we move forward. Exactly. Awesome. Indeed. John has a question for you, Thomas. John, you're on mute. I mean, there's a way you can you take him off? I just did it. Hopefully Go ahead, John. Worked. Last couple it, of years with this COVID going on, uh, this this year, would they have the network session with the general contractors at the? Uh, I can't hear. You are so hard to hear, John. Do you mind just adding it to the chat? Okay, I'll type it in. Oh, there you go. Now you now it's working. 
Can you hear me okay? You're good. Uh, will, will there be like a network session with the general contractors this year, like the last couple of years? Uh, last Are you talking about the networking session with the sub and prime? Yes. Yeah, there's one that's definitely coming up that I know is in the works. Tomas, can you speak to any that you're aware of? I know we're trying to pull one together for um, the April and May timeframe. Tomas, do you know if there's any other matchmaking um, sessions or with Prime and Sub that is forthcoming? Yes, indeed. Um, again, I don't mean to just talk about construction, but that again, that's the basis and that's where we have in success. Uh, so we have agreed with uh, Rai, and I actually ha um, have also agreed with uh, the mayor unions and we are gonna be doing more of that uh, I know May uh, with the launching of the uh, of the school construction, that's going to be the kickoff of many many of these networks that are going to be taking place. You know, uh, whether we ride by yourself or with the unions, but that is and it is because we understand that one of the complaints is usually there are not many that happen. And at the same time, that's one of the ways that our communities are able to find these opportunities. So yes, John, you're gonna be seeing a lot more of the networking. And, and the other one is uh, this organization, ACE. They uh, actually, they did a networking back in 2018. So we already in conversation to do, in what, to do in a, another one. And that's gonna be more like around September, but uh, and uh, I'll, I'll be posting it in social media and I'll be also letting Lisa and everybody else know, uh, but stay tuned. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I think, I think that's really great. I think, Thomas, one of the things that you probably could take back in with some of your partners is to think about, as you know, we just launched the Ribbon Group, the Rhode Island Business Empowerment Network, right? So I think as you all are thinking about these um, networking events or collaboration and different um, events to get information out in the community, I think you should leverage, you know, the groups that are part of that Ribbon Coalition because we are in the face into these um, communities that we're talking about, right? So I think pull us in in terms of partnership and collaboration. Yes. That may be a good thing because again, we came together to do just that, right? To make sure nothing is missed, right? And that we can have more broad-based coalition partnership yeah, to yeah. do more, to ensure that as John talks about, right? We used to do it before COVID, but I think we really need to do a lot more and leverage the coalition, right? Because we're there to do exactly what we're hoping to have happen. And, and I totally agree with you, Lisa, and I want to tell you this, every conversation that I'm having, whether it's the governor or whoever, the coalition is part of my speaking points. And it is because, first of all, I am thrilled to see it a reality. And not only thrilled to see it a reality, but we must leverage it because you're absolutely right. Now, again, we don't have to chase everybody. We with the coalition, we have access to many different communities. And yes, uh, as a matter of fact, I have a meeting with the unions on April 1st, and it is to follow up on another meeting that we had in December and pretty much strategize it. And I can tell you this, with the meeting that we had in, um, in December and the exchange that we have had recently towards this meeting, uh, 
the coalition is the center of the conversation. Wonderful. And it's going to continue to be moving forward. Awesome. That's great news. Thank you. You're welcome. Are there any other questions? We're going to um, take probably a few more questions. Okay. I just like Could you please clarify? That. What does that say? Could you, I can't even read that. Can somebody see that? Can you please clarify? It says, can you please clarify what the coalition is? There is a Rhode Island Small Business Coalition and there yes, is Ryben. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so the Rhode Island, um, I'll speak to the Rhode Island Business um, Empowerment Network. So the Rhode Island, the small business group that are out there, the coalition that's out there, it is extremely broad. And as most of us on this call will, are very familiar with, when we have this huge broad well, what happens? Black and brown businesses are forgotten. So the RIBIN um, coalition, it's the Rhode Island Business Empowerment Network is specifically targeting businesses of color. So communities that have been the hardest hit by COVID-19 has been the hardest hit by structural racism. And the group is made up of primarily, not only, but the bulk of the members or from the organization that are led by people of color. So Rhode Island Black Business Association, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Multicultural Center, CC, and several other, Hope and Maine, SCG, the bulk of the organization that's part of this Riven Coalition are led by leaders of color. Um, again, the focus of the organization is to ensure that all of the business, um, small business groups that are working, that's been on the ground forever, right? We're now working in partnership. So I'll give you like a simple example. So Hope and Maine is one of the partner that's a part of the Ribbon Group. Reba, we do lots of work around technical assistant, loan programming, but we don't do a lot of work as industry like restaurants and so forth. So the Ribbon Group allows us to have the client intake once with Reba, say Keisha works on that with that client, and then we do a referral to Hope and Maine. So what happens, a client comes in once, they do one set of paperwork, and then we refer that client out. We have a systematic way of tracking and monitoring and documenting the client journey. So they don't have to keep constantly going to this group, that group, right? It is a wraparound service. And what we're doing right now to even be better at the job that we're trying to do with the business com you know, community is to document all of the services and our specialized services that each organization provides currently. So for example, Reba does a lot of work with the city of Providence. We have several loan programs, micro um, loan program, forgivable loan, bridge loans. We have several kinds of loan products. We do a lot more from a lending perspective. So like a, a group may send somebody over to us. If somebody comes to Reba as a nonprofit, for example, we send them to SCG, Social Enterprise Greenhouse, because they specialize and work with nonprofit organizations that are starting up, right? So the good news about this business coalition is that we are leveraging the strength of each of the, um, the groups. We are no longer competing against each other. We are now in partnership and that's the beauty, right? So we're pooling our resources. 
One of the things that I'm hoping that we will get to do eventually, and it's a vision of mine for a while, is for us to have all of the groups, all the minority and the Ribbon groups under one umbrella, to have this hub, if you will, that is for us. And when our clients comes in, they take advantage of all of us in this hub, if you will, for lack of a better word. So again, I'm speaking it out there, hopefully it will happen. But I can tell you that once you come into the Ribbon Coalition, you're a part of a powerful network. This is historically, right? Nobody, we've never done this in Rhode Island before. This is a massive, I would say force of leaders that says, we're gonna drop our eager at the door. We're gonna come for it. We're gonna build something powerful that works to, as Thomas started off his conversation around the economy, right? This is a win-win for all of us. So it's not just a Reba thing, you know, a Hispanic Chamber thing, a SCG or Hope and Maine or whatnot. It is all of us leaning in to do this incredible work. The fact that we know that black and brown businesses have been left behind for way too long. And what we said at the press conference when we launch and go public is that no more, right? So this work is here to stay. And you know, we hope that all of you spread the word about the coalition. It is powerful. It has intentional leaders, and you know, partnering with you know leaders like Tomas on this call. That's why he's here. We will have the mayor at our Ribbon meeting next week. We had the director of DOT. We're bringing different leaders to those meetings, right? Because we want them to hear. We want to hear what they have to offer, so we can bring that out to our members, and then for them to hear what our needs are as it relates to supporting our businesses. So hopefully that was helpful, but certainly feel free to reach out to any one of the coalition member regarding what we're doing, how we're doing it, and how we can be a, a resource to you. And Lisa, I, I wanna add uh, my congratulations to all the leaders who actually have made this uh, coalition happen, because as he's been saying many a time, it's long overdue, but most importantly, I feel that it's timely. And to have the uh, this group of individuals come together at this point, again, we live in a transformational period in Rhode Island history. And the coalition to me is actually uh, the trigger into the future because now whether it's technical assistance or whatever type of assistance that these businesses need, it's no longer a searching as to which one to go to. Like you meant, I love the fact that you enter once and then you have access to everything. And I, uh, lastly, I wanna share as far as the hub, I had uh, some conversations yesterday and I can tell you that uh, they support for it and we'll see, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, um, you know, this has been such an amazing conversation. Um, I've been, uh, I've learned so much. I'm always in this continuous learning mode, right? So Tomas, thank you so much. Um, one, for your leadership, for all the work that you and your team are doing, specifically around leveling the playing field, um, creating opportunities and hold people accountable, right? Okay. And, and transparency is very important to us. And I'm glad that you're there and your team because for way too long, you talk about the law in 1986, um, I use that as an indicator all the time because that was the year that my mom and I came here to this country from Jamaica. I came here as a teenage girl and now I got some gray hair. 
<laughs> so um, it's been a long, long time. And it's crazy that we're still talking about, um, you know, inclusion. We're still talking about equity. We're still talking about 10%. Tomas, you know me, I like to challenge, right? I've shared with the speaker and different legislators at the state house that we got to move to at least 25%. 10%, 15%, not adequate, right? We got to push harder. I, I do appreciate all the work that is happening, but our neighboring state, right? We're seeing 25% in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Yeah. I think Rhode Island can do that as well, right? So and I, I would challenge us to, to continue to push, but we certainly appreciate the progress. And I, and I totally agree with you. And I wanna share with you that actually we have had, we are having that discussion for the last month. Uh, because Good. Senator Mano is putting uh, le legislation to actually take it to 20% and divide it 10%, you know, uh, each way. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with her today. Because, we need to and push it to 25. So let me share with you the recommendation. Amanda, you could send that over to Tomas so he sees it. Okay. We specifically asked for separate goals for women. Yes and separate goals for a minority, the true minority, right? Yeah, right. We don't want 20% to split because it comes back to 10% that we will never get. So we need to have separate goals for women-owned businesses right. and separate goals for MBE. And my logic is, if you look at the number of the minority population and you total the sum of all of us, yep. it's very close to that 25%, 13, seven, whatever the numbers are, right? Nice. So I think 25 is a good number. So that's my logic and I'm sticking with it. And let us no, know how we can help you advocate for that. And, and actually, so again, so I'm speaking with Senator Cano and she, her is 2020. I'm also in conversation with Rep Williams who actually introduced uh, her legislation uh, two years ago and it's 25%. And so now uh, actually the conversation is we're gonna have to come to a consensus because you know how it is, uh, competing legislation doesn't benefit us. But, yeah. and, and, and I'm doing that, uh, Lisa, because as I tell everyone, I don't wanna be just enforcing, but I wanna be part of it. So I'm, I, I'm participating more in the legislative conversation awesome. because as you know, that's where usually we get burned down. And, but again, so I'm having that conversation with Senator Cano and, uh, and Rep Williams, and eventually it's gonna come to something, uh, you know, like 25 yeah, I, I, I had lunch with Senator Cano the other day, and that was one of part of our conversation as we were having lunch was <laughs> let's push. And I told her that I've been I'm waiting for that meeting with the Senate president. I keep waiting. She's trying to get me a meeting with him, but we got to push for 25 percent for minority and women owned needs to have a separate goal. So I'm going to leave it at that. This has been terrific. Um, Amanda, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you. Um, Tomas, I am so happy that you took the time to be here with us and to share so much incredible information and progress that are happening with you and your team and hiring. I must share with you, Tomas, that while we were at the meeting, the round table with um, the governor, I, it was great to see so many women as part of your team. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> That was powerful. We don't often see, you know, many women in, in roles in different seats. So 
um, Elvis at the time, I think, made an introduction to them. So that was wonderful. So right. continue to build a team and, you know, keep it diversified and exactly. do the intentional work. But thank you so much. You're welcome. And I want to say, uh, Lisa, I want to say that. Uh, so my ho my whole point is uh, we like the same word, intentional. And I don't want to follow the status quo and try to force others to do differently. So that's what you see and what you saw, what you're seeing. And as I tell, uh, I, I told the legislature uh, last week, I am looking at diversity in a totally different way that you know usually is, is look at, but, but it's with the understanding that we cannot continue to repeat what has been done. That you know the only individual who qualifies is somebody who looks like me. No, we have to go deeper than mm -hmm. that and go into. So the, my premises is this, same qualification, exactly uh, fulfill all the requirements, then we got to go into, okay, how diverse are we and where do we need to diversify? And that's yeah. what I'm, why I'm preaching, what I'm preaching across the state as well. So thank you very much. And thank you for this opportunity. And definitely anytime you need me, just let me know. I will. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And Everyone that is here, please know that we appreciate you joining us. If you are in need of anything from a business perspective, from a leadership development, from a DEI standpoint, I mean, Reba, we do it all, right? The other thing, we are one of the, the longest and oldest minority um, business group here in the state. We're turning 11 years old and March 31st, we're going to probably have a big party, but I want to mark your calendar April 7th, we hope that you will come and celebrate with us at the Roger Williams Casino, um, Roger Williams Park Casino, April 7th at 5.30. That is our annual meeting. Um, we were going to have our annual meeting on, on March 31st, but the Newport Chamber, so we're going up to Newport uh -huh. to celebrate with them on the 31st, but we will have our annual meeting on April 7th. So we hope that you will make time on your calendar to join us. You will hear all the amazing work that we're doing. Um, the numbers are looking fantastic in work, the work that we've been doing over these 11 years. So we are so happy, glad that you all are here. If you need anything, just reach out to us. Find us online. The other thing I think Amanda noted, April 1st is 401 Gives. 401 Gives is a way for you to support nonprofits like Reba here. We rely on donations from people like you and your friends and your network. Make sure when you get all the blast emails from myself, Amanda, all the teams and community folks out there that you donate and please share with your network, right? Organizations like ours are always underfunded. So we rely on generous donors and people like you that are on this call to help us get more funding so we can do more. And we're leaning in and you all are seeing the amazing return on investment in the work that we're doing, whether it's around leadership development, scalability of business, you'll hear some amazing numbers in terms of growth that we've seen with businesses that we've supported over the last few years and beyond. So um, just know that this work is about intentional. Intent, int, intentionality is important. We don't believe in check the box. We don't believe in compliance, just doing it for the sake of doing it, right? We want to change lives and we're doing that as we build generational wealth and sustainability, moving people from poverty through job training. So again, with that said, I wanna thank you all for being here. We got seven more minutes, but we're gonna wrap. 
have a great one and reach Thank out to you. us. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everyone. And, uh, thanks for hosting us and tech lead and all of this. <laughs> and to all the team that were here, thank you all for being here. Thank you. Hey, Grant, thank you. I got your note. Bye, John. I'll check you later. Okay. No Bye, problem. everyone. No See you guys. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye.